Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast, produced by me, Fraser McGrew, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision-making. I'm here with Chris Ragg, Tom Spence, and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights, and this week we're discussing Encanto. Chris. Yeah, so um, I, my two daughters have recently um, become a bit uh, obsessed with watching uh, Encanto, like lots of uh, lots of children. I should say, for those who don't know, this is uh, probably the latest um, uh, Disney uh, animation film. Um, and I've watched it a couple of times now, uh, and I think it's a really solid Disney film. Um, and and I was thinking, and I thought, well, yeah, this is probably up there with the the classics. This can go in the pantheon of of Disney movies. Um, and so I then started thinking, well, what what makes a classic Disney movie? And I should just say, you know, in my in my definition of a Disney movie, this is not a movie that comes out of Disney. So I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily count Avengers you know 17 the end of the year or star wars yeah or star wars as being um uh a disney film i would uh, and and that in itself is an interesting question what is a disney film but i think also immediately we all kind of i think we probably all understand what you mean so i think that feeds right into this which is maybe what you're saying there exactly um and so yeah i was thinking what makes a classic disney movie but second to that what what you know what makes something uh, quintessentially of a particular school or, um, you know, uh, a, a, a kind of theme where you say, oh, yes, that's classic such and such. And in this, Encanto felt to me like a classic Disney film. Nice. Um, look, let's, first of all, I mean, tell us about Encanto, what happens and what's it about briefly. And I think you do think it is quintessentially Disney do you yeah and if so and so and perhaps lead us in as to why okay. that might be no spoilers though please yeah okay well first of all we don't talk about Bruno right we don't talk about Bruno yeah so the film is essentially the story of the family madrigal of which is a nice a nice uh, um, song which uh, gives you their history uh, and um, they are the the um, the grandmother the abuela of the family flees uh, revolutionary country X could could be I mean it's set somewhere in Latin America but in an enchanted valley um, and uh, her husband is killed on this this flight um, but she has triplets that she's carrying and she gets to this uh, this place and sets up this community her three triplets um, Obviously, there's three of them. Uh, they are. Uh, they all have magical gifts of some description, and then th- this um, propagates down through the generations, uh, and um, they set up this community, all of whom rely on on these people with with magical gifts, and it's this wonderful place. But then there's there there's the classic challenge that you have within within Disney. Um, before you before you go on. Um... What was I going to say? Uh, it almost sounds like the origin story of a, of a major religion. Just give it well, a thousand years. But um, it, it sounds to me like 
Gabriel Garcia Marquez has, uh, you know, come back and started writing for Disney. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. sounds a lot like the plot of 100 Years of Solitude. I would, I would say, yeah, I agree. But actually, like a lot of people, I've started that book and, <laughs> and really not got up. You only got into three years of solitude. Yeah, and exactly. Then you, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's the first thing. Secondly, I hadn't understood that they'd left a country. I, I missed. I, I, I hadn't got that. Um, you liked the film. So you've have you seen it, Nick? No, I'm afraid not. Okay, Tom, I, I wouldn't. Well, I don't particularly want to, even though I know Chris likes it. Okay, I've seen half of it just the other night because my kids wanted to watch it, and uh, I thought, oh, I better watch this to to do some research. Yeah, because that's the kind of person I am. Dedicated. Um, yeah, and um, I got halfway through, and you know, I had to send the kids to bed anyway. We're going to probably pick it up tonight, but I actually thought it was pretty dire. I hated it, but um, but you liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so, so yes, coming back to why did I like it? I, there, I, it's got some catchy songs in it. Uh, and I liked the overall sense of um, this this family that's carrying a community on their back. It's got that, that kind of old, that, that more American sense of uh, civic duty about it. Um, there, there are, you know, there are ups and downs. I like, yeah, I, I, I mean, this is essentially, I think it's got some good songs. It's a good story. It's a feel-good movie. Now, none of those things, uh, there are other Disney films clearly that have tried to do that. You know, every film they would like to be a massive hit, right, or, or to be considered classic Disney, but not all of them are. So so it's difficult to determine what the... Um... And, and just briefly to put it in context, it's been talked about as being more liked, or I don't know how you've measured this, if it's more... Uh, uh, looks like it's earning more revenue than... Um, what's that, that big snowy one? Um, Frozen. Frozen, thank yeah. you. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's kind of... That's what I hear. I have a proposed metric determining which films which disney animated films are quintessential disney and that is to use the uh sporkle quiz for can you name all the disney animated films Mm. and look at the results uh so from that we can see which animated disney films people remember the most and write down when they do this quiz um now if you want to test yourselves uh we can put a link to the quiz why does that tell you whether which is mostly Disney versus which is most widely recognised. So that is why it's a proposed metric. Okay. But if I if I read through the the most recognised ones, almost ninety percent of people who do this quiz get Cinderella. But how right. many? So is it is it asking someone, hey, name all the Disney films? Is it that? Yeah. And um, just out of interest, how many are there? Uh, there are. Oh, there, there. Yeah, there are. So Dis- Disney. Since the 40s, you know, there were 14 films in the 40s, 29 in the 50s, 52 in the 60s, 48 in the 70s, 28 in the 80s, 67 in the 90s, 124 in the noughties, uh, 100 or so in 2010s. And Bloody hell. Yeah, right, hold on, those, are, about... those are films created by Disney, yeah. not oh, Disney right. films, right? The... But of those, I reckon uh, at least, it depends on, di- on different years, but at yeah. least... Uh, a quarter of those you would you would consider to be That's sort shocking. Of, it, it, the the proportion has varied. Yeah. Historically, more of them were Disney animated films. Um, now there are a lot more live action ones. But um, yeah, so the 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 most recognised ones are Cinderella followed by Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Sleeping Beauty, Beauty and the Beast, The Little Mermaid, The Lion King, Aladdin, Frozen, Moana, Mulan make up the top ten. Uh, you know, following in, in the kind of bunch after that, you've got a lot of others like The Jungle Book, Peter Pan, Bambi, and so on. Uh, and then towards the bottom, 
Some of the least recognised ones, uh, in fact, the five least, are Fun and Fancy Free from 1947, Make My Music from 46, uh, Melody Time, Saludos Amigos, and The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Are all of those from the 40s, though? All of those are, actually. Um, so that's by the, time, rather yeah. than... Yeah, the, but, but, but interestingly, but... just above those are Dinosaur and Home on the Range, which are from the noughties. Uh, another few noughties films come in the bottom ten. So it is a mix. But also, if you look at the top the top ones, the most recognised, they're all from the 30s and, uh, and yeah. uh, 40s, the aren't they? Yeah. So uh, yeah. the, Cinderella was 1950. They're almost the, like the defining... So, yeah, yeah. They, well, they, they kicked it off and they almost defined the genre. So, right? yeah. so interestingly, this the, the results of this, this quiz that you can do match quite well with what are widely regarded as the two golden ages of Disney. Okay. One is that, um, you know, from the late 40s onwards... Uh, into the kind of probably up to the early 60s mm. when you had things like Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, uh, you know, a lot of the kind Pinocchio, of... Pinocchio. Pinocchio. Yeah. Um, yeah Peter Pan. A lot of these classic fairy tale adaptations. Um, and then the Disney Renaissance. Is how like the noughties kind of thing or something, more, is well, it? Well, more than 90s into the early okay. noughties when you have uh, a lot of Ju- the classic Disney musical hits. Okay. So Beauty and the Beast in 91. Actually... A lot of people kick it off in 89 with The Little Mermaid yeah. there. Lion, Lion King, King in 94, yeah. Aladdin 92, Mulan, Tarzan, all of those ones. So, yeah, the, the, these two periods are kind of critically regarded as Disney's best and are also the most recognisable per this quiz. Nice. I like that. Nice little bit of uh, information there. I think it's slightly away from sort of the, the, the central question, but still. Well, or is I, it? So I was, I was going to use the results of this quiz to lead into, and I actually, I'm, I'm tempted to expand this analysis more quantitatively uh, into a blog post. Um, so what I've tried to do is look at the consistent characteristics between some of the top and, the, and indeed some of the bottom films on this list. So the top five films all have a Disney princess. I think if I were writing a recipe for a quintessential Disney film, it would need a Disney princess. And similarly, if you go a little beyond the top five, you have a lot of other ones with Disney princesses, including more modern ones. Frozen, Moana, Mulan, uh, Pocahontas comes in quite highly, um, and so on. Number two, I think my second ingredient would be music. Mm. Now, this is especially prevalent in those uh, Disney Renaissance era films. But again, looking at the, the films on the list, Beauty and the Beast... Little Mermaid, Lion King, Aladdin, Frozen. I'd say probably everyone here could name or at least hum a song from one of those, Mm. right? So I think a strong soundtrack, a Disney princess, and my third piece would be an adaptation, not original Mm. plot. So if we again look at the top ones, a lot of them are from fairy tales or folk tales, um, you know, a, a lot of them kind of European ones, but increasingly more from around the world that Disney has adapted into film plots. Uh, so either stretched out or compressed as necessary. If we look at some of the bottom films, those are typically not based on uh, on kind of existing uh, creative works. A lot more of them are kind of Disney original scripts. What's what's this one about Dogbert and Eric the Frog or whatever it was called? What's the that adventures about? Adventures of Ichabod, Ichabod or something. And, yeah. Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Yeah. You know, I'm actually not certain of that, but it's one of the it's one of the ones that more in the vein of like Steamboat Willie, the kind of like right. the original um, Got it. Walt Disney. Okay. Types. So I think that's a, a useful framework. I think it's quite broad. Because I think there are some further things that can make something very specifically Disney. Um, but I think that's a really good 
starting point. Um, so, uh, just, sorry, so just, just uh, one piece. A lot of the time, if you if you read kind of critical reviews of the Disney Renaissance, a lot of people mark its end and the decline of Disney into a bit of a doldrums period as the release of The Emperor's New Groove in 2000. The Emperor's New Groove uh, came off a run of really successful films uh, and it just wasn't that popular. And after it, a lot of them weren't. Part of that is because it doesn't have as much music and the music isn't as good. It is a wholly new story written by Disney and there's no Disney princess. So, Your Honour, I rest my case Wasn't that those are three just groove components. I wonder if, but, but if is there, because that assumes a correlation maybe between, between quintessentially Disney and successful. Right? Yeah. Which I would question. Um, yeah. Anyway, Chris. Well, I, I, so I think a lot of the things that Tom has identified are sort of necessary but not sufficient conditions. I, th I think, you, you know, because I think most people would sort of, you know, in looking back through their mind go, okay, yeah, I, I think I know what the recipe is. And obviously everybody else recognises that, but they don't always stick. I also think there are exceptions. So if I think of the two Disney films that I think are most quintessentially Disney, they are um, The Jungle Book, which admittedly is an adaptation, uh, and The Lion King, which probably has its origins in some sort of Hamlet. you know uh, well you know, it is. quite yes it in, is. indirect no. indirectly but uh, but yeah um but they're definitely not princessy films in fact the you know the main character is a is male in both in both cases and they are probably the the two biggest sort of disney films that i would uh kind of kind of think about so so i think yes you can sort of get these these characters but what i think it shows is how um, how elusive that that sort of thing you're trying to to find. It's not just about them being successful. It's about really nailing them. It, when you come down to it, you can put together these criteria, but if you just follow it as a recipe, it's not it's not gonna it's not gonna work. And why is that? I wonder if it's you get this in other films as well. It doesn't have to be Disney. So there's a certain treacliness. I often find, okay? Saccharin. Saccharin, there you go. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, and there's also, they're overly written. It's overly controlled. It's overly, it's too tight sometimes, the writing. Formulaic, perhaps. Um, I'm not sure I, I understand what you mean by that. Yeah, so yeah. I am assuming some of the listeners will be as confused as me. No, 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 they're fine. They've got right. it. Um, no, it's just... Um, so if you think of the program um, Friends, right? It's got 20-odd writers on it, 30-odd writers, okay? It's written to death. There's almost no flab in that script. I it's tight, right? It's, it's, I would argue, maybe overly produced, right? And that's how I feel about Disney films. If you compare that to some, so you lose stuff like eccentricity. There's no example. sense of an old of an author's hand, or, you know. Right. Yeah, and that's so where it, it can it get feels like a, like it's been put in a blender and sort of an out has come pure Disney script is what you're saying. Yeah, had a string of pure Disney script and it's very high quality because the ingredients yeah. are high quality, but there's no sense of you know uniqueness to yeah, to, yeah. So at the other at the other end of the script would uh, sorry at the other end of the scale would be something like you know quentin tarantino well no i was going to say something like a hungarian um animation from 1951 mm. where it's just it's just bizarre but who wants to watch that because it's weird but anyway that's my that's yeah. the point i'm making okay? i think that's interesting but i think that that is almost 
a, a way we can differentiate because I think a lot of uh, modern Disney films well, that's what I'm saying. do suffer from that, but do the classic Disney films right. as well. Are you saying that that is part of what makes a quintessential Disney film? But then are the classic ones quintessential? Yeah, we're not saying um, good. Yeah, we don't, we, this isn't a judgment about quality, is it? Yeah. This is a judgment anyway, about, about record, well, and, and, something. And there's one other, at least one other thing, and again, it's, it's going to sound negative. I mean, they are very moralising, but, you know, with stories with a moral, that often is, you know, with, a, with, a, with, a, with, with uh, folk tales and so on. But also, I'll just say it, annoying, right? So, for example, there's... Um, that's not a very good way of saying it. Well, I was annoyed by the by the trailer for Encanto, which was as much research as I did into Encanto. Because right. all thing... of the characters were the same. I've seen them a million times before. The same sort of s snappy, you know, kind there's of... There's a sassiness. Yeah, there's a cute sassiness, sassy, which does my head All, of their, but all of their lines of responses are kind of the thing that you wish you'd said when you were having a conversation with someone. And it's but just, maybe that's an American it's thing. It's a kind like of author, yeah, author and I think fantasy. It, it was like, it was like it ER when, uh, when they would be you know pushing somebody having a cardiac arrest down the down the aisle and they'd all be quipping one one-liners and you'd think actually you'd you know i'd rather they concentrated on resuscitating this yeah. person in front of them yeah um, but um I, what i th what i think the reason i like uh, encanto and i like disney films in general is uh i like the positivity right so uh, most of what i consume in in fiction is is generally bleak and so it's it's uh, it's a it's nice to have that that sweetness and not and to know this is all this is all coming good at the end, uh, and also um, the what I think a good Disney film does that the songs are um, a major part of the story like a good musical you know it's not just an incidental hey look we're walking down the street you know what a great day everyone it's it's the tone and everything you know they're almost wagnerian in in the way oh, they hit actually to be i'm finding talking about disney yeah. tedious I um, got... <laughs> we're starting to there's, yeah. there's just one more thing i want to say and i'll oh, make it brief God, it's not about disney again is it i'm getting Fred really so, fed up with disney so. we're just doing their marketing yeah for and them. then we're gonna come on to you um yeah which is there's always something that annoys me um and so in this case so for example actually it's to do with accents right and this is actually my reminds me of something you told me about once nick which is i think you were saying you read to your son at night or, or did and you were reading him dickens right yeah. and i think you were talking about a great love doing the voices yeah. yeah and you love doing the voices and one of the things you mentioned is when it's so you put on different voices for different uh, characters in the book but but with the protagonist um you on the hero you always have it with your you just use your own act that's your right, own accent yeah. which i really like that um now um and that's what happens in this so for example in frozen like the horrible ambassador we don't know where he's from called mr weaselton or something he's from Weaselton. he's got a very yeah. he's got a very english accent okay and and something um in, in encanto that i don't like and, and i hadn't grasped the whole sort of they'd moved from one place to another but in this magical uh valley or wherever they live so in the different generations the older generations speak with a strong uh, Latino sort of Hispanic mm -hmm. accent, whereas the younger ones and the heroes, they've all got just pure American. And I could not understand why there was this difference between the generations. Anyway, that's probably got nothing to do with, with Disney or something. But yeah, we, we do need to come on to. Yeah, I've really got to get away from Disney now. Uh, I want to just the question, the question for which I was interested in here is. Why, why, why is there such a thing as a Disney film, right? Why doesn't Disney just make lots of different films? Why aren't there Disney horror films? Why does it benefit Disney 
to have such a thing as a Disney film. And, you know, this is basically this idea of brand coherence, which um, firms re really try and get, you know, it's something which is um, really important for firms to try and achieve is the sense of, oh, we want people to associate this type of thing you know, with this kind of product. Like when you think of brown bread, we want you to think of Hovis so that so that the idea of Hovis and the idea of brown bread are kind of inextricably linked. And um, so there's a lot of marketing stuff really focused on how you achieve brand coherence through, through you know, things like um, making sure that obvious things like your sort of colour schemes are coherent and all of your things have the same branding on. And this is just an extension of that, really. It's Disney sort of saying, we need to make sure we've got the Disney things in there so that people, when they, they know what they're getting, because we know it's a successful product. And they'll go and see Encanto because they, not because they want it to be challenged with a new kind of film experience, but because the opposite because they want to be given a thing they understand and if you they went to see Encanto and it turned out to be a challenging political story about a revolution in Eastern Europe with no princesses and where everyone dies at the end they'd be disappointed even if it was a good film but the interest so the interesting thing about this this idea of sort of brand coherence is that it has this source of dark side and it's rather like um it's rather like what happens to, uh, you know, a genre when when at the beginning of uh, uh, when you're defining, we're trying to invent a new genre. Um, you know, there's a lot of creativity and trying stuff out. And if you look at something like, um, I don't know, like Sherlock Holmes, which is one of my favorite things, uh, when it started, you could tell that Conan Doyle didn't really know what Sherlock Holmes was supposed to be like. And, and you know, the early stories, he's, he's sort of actually in some ways is a bit of a buffoon and a bit ignorant about some things. And he shaved those things out as he moved on. And I think when you think about those early Disney films, they're obviously trying out lots of different potential things, identified the successful ones and, you know, then said, well, let's polish, let's shape those diamonds into this perfect kind of shape, which we know that people will want and which is going to be a guaranteed money spinner. So, but of course you take that process uh, and, and continue forward just like an actor moving from being a recognizable genre actor to becoming typecast and and like a, like genres moving into cliche the the problem with coherence and recognition is it you can end up with this fossilization yeah yeah and and so your brand is stuck you know gets gets totally stuck in a, a sort of dead end and you and at that point you've maybe got not to, a bad thing though not necessarily a commercially bad thing, but no and of course the thing you can do with a brand is you can uh seal it off, wrap it in cling film and start a new brand. And of course, you know, that's why Disney has all these other marks, I suppose you'd say, you know, it, it, it has Star Wars as a separate brand. It's got this, I think it's called Star or something, a new channel on the on Disney Plus, I've noticed, which is Disney stuff. But it's all grown up, you know, challenging. You know, you've got to be like over 16 to watch it and stuff. Uh, there's no way they'd release that under the Disney label, but it's all owned by the same company. Because I think I was about to say, hey, but no, that's just because they made loads of money from what they do. But no, you're right. It's more than that. It's because they've already got a, such a strong brand then you can and it's so recognizable. Yeah. And, and then I think you can I, build on that. Yeah. And, our, and But our instinct. So I, I, I actually unearthed quite a lot of really interesting firms where they produce things which are really surprising. Because I think our instinct is that there's an economy of scale. If you've got a factory which is making 
tins of beans. You don't expect it to be making tractors on the side, for example. Um, but the so surprising brand incoherence. Um, if I tell you now, Yamaha is an interesting one because I think uh, for me it's a piano making company. But I think idea. a lot of people think they're a motorbike, motorbike company. And all and have you heard of uh, Volkswagen hot dogs? No, big one of the biggest hot dog manufacturers in the world. Um, By Volkswagen, Volkswagen, okay, Volkswagen. Yes, they they make wow. they make cars. You might have been aware of that, but they also make hot dogs. Massive hot dog manufacturer, um, Samsung, famous for of course making machine guns for the Korean military. Virgin, of course, are a kind of living example of branding coherence. You know, they were a record shop and a record label and an airline and a brand of cola. Yeah, Yeah, which I like because the coherence almost is in the complete incoherence. Um, Toyota make prefabricated homes. Peugeot apparently started out as a milling company and still considered to make some of the best pepper mills in the world. Um, Dunhill, a lot of people have heard of the clothes but not the cigarettes or vice versa. I was more aware of the cigarettes first. Yeah, likewise. Um, Sony, of course, quite a big insurance company. So you can get insurance from Sony. And finally, did you know about Ford's banking services, which were started in the UK in the 1970s and about which they're still apparently a major player in the banking world. A lot of There's got a lot of customers for Ford's credit services. One I saw recently along the same line is Caterpillar. Um, finance. Oh, of course, and oh, and shoes, and and shoes and, and massive great yeah, JCBs. Yeah. yeah. So, so it, firms can get away with this, um, mm. but but it obviously isn't something that they aim for, um, and and it is interesting, and I and I just wondered, you know, th- there is that danger, isn't there, of, of sort of driving yourself into a a box which you can't escape from. So, I mean, is has Disney at this point become so fossilized that they cannot now experiment and move outside that box without being sort of punished somehow? But also, um, who cares, right? And we as consumers might care, but, you know, as a entity in itself, does Disney care? They might say they do, yeah. but do they really? I, mean, I don't well, know. Well, I, I mean, it's quite interesting because obviously but... they've set up a TV channel recently, right? And that was under the, I think they lent into that when the pandemic came. They were sort of experimenting with it and then they lent into it. They used to, Lion King one and a half, for example, was um, was a straight to video release and that became a That's quite a Sim- successful. Simba's Pride. Something like that, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, the, you know, they, they have obviously diversified to some extent, but the question is, with diversification as a strategy, how random do you go? You know, like Caterpillar, I can see the link between a big digger and mm. some sort of rugged boots, even if they're being worn around the street by, you know, uh, teenagers. Mm. Um, so, but if you go like Virgin, how do you stitch that all together? It's, I guess it's an act attitude thing right, right isn't a it? man it's a, it's a it's a person and yeah. it's a and it's a cheeky you know against the 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 um establishment yeah you guys yeah, are, you guys up. are germanophiles aren't you I'm, um, I'm, i think i think the word i'm looking for is chibo and i only oh, know yes. about this because i know someone who um who works for, for their marketing or has done at some point that 
apparently, although they're a coffee company, I think, they um, basically, they're famous in Germany, as I understand it, for having different themes where they go, well, this month it's all about, um, you know, brown uh, objects for autumn and, and the whole thing will be themed around that. Another month it might be balloon animals or some other you know they'll they'll, yeah, they'll like have different kind of themes but the the theme is that there's a different theme each month go on fraser what's the... yeah so no we need to move towards wrapping up however before we do i've got a comment and then a question as a question i want to finish on um i think i don't really feel like i need any more points from you at the moment although maybe from tom um yeah just a quick comment so maybe a better example of what i was talking about something being overwritten yeah would be um because i use the hungarian sort of thing as an example wallace and gromit Right, maybe I'm trying to f wave the flag too much. Wallace and Gromit was literally written by one person. He just came up with the whole thing, and I just think it is really, it is, yes, very English. But I just think this is just, an, I think you've got an eccentricity there, and an originality that you don't get with Disney. But maybe I'm talking about McDonald's versus this wonderful little place down the road. Well, it's no, just because as I mean, as I mean Aardman are a yeah, major studio, okay. well, yeah. and, and now and, they and are. extremely recognisable, and you know, absolutely. Yeah. But of course got bought by Disney. right? And then there was controversy because I think the first film they made was Chicken Run. And they found the um, the transition process really traumatic because of all the reasons you might imagine, okay? Um, so that was just that. Second thing, um, yeah, I, I, I want to see if you, have you got anything to say, uh, Tom? Because well, then I've got a question. I, I, I do, but it's it's jumping back a bit, which is to, to your point about kind of, you know, as these films are overwritten, overly saccharine, I think I would tend to agree with the modern Disney films, but I don't think if you look at what a lot of people consider to be, you know, emblematic, the classic Disney yeah. films, that is true. And that can be something that, you know, is a classic Disney film, one that doesn't suffer from that problem. Mm. You know, something like Aladdin is actually very snappily written, something like The Lion King, similarly. Whereas, yeah, I know entirely what you mean about the modern ones being like, you know, Almost written by a, a team of sitcom writers. Team of crack sitcom writers. Yeah. Yeah. Top gun um, sitcom writers. Sitcom writers. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's an interesting one because I think most people would agree that you know the films that are classic quintessential Disney films are those ones from the '90s and some of the early ones as well. Um, which comes back to our original question of: Is Encanto a quintessential Disney film? Will will it be viewed in five years' time as? one of the Disney classics, or will it just be viewed as another film they made? Mm. And also, will... Ichabod and Mr. Toad. That's yeah, going to come in as a new classic. Yeah. Yeah. Or is it, you know, 10, 15, 20 years hence from now that, um, you know, what's considered a classic now, Frozen, um, is it, will, will that have sort of... Yeah, will it, yeah. Is, is it... Is it benefiting from, you know, a recency bias? Yeah. Do people think of it because they remember it? Because yeah, yeah. kids never stopped singing it. Um, lots of weird fan fiction stuff out there about Frozen, by the way. I'm going to choose yeah. not to look yeah. that yeah. up. Just let it go. <laughs> um, um, question. This is what I want to finish go. on. And it's a kind of question that I used to ask in the past on, uh, on, on these episodes, but recently have not done so, so much. You don't have to. Maybe you think of a better question. I don't know. Um, what is the film? No, it's not what you think I'm going to say. What is your favourite Disney film that is not a Disney film. Mm. Looks like it's quintessentially Disney, and actually, people might assume that it's Disney, oh. but it's not. Okay, well, I was gonna because I was gonna or go. How in did with, you interpret? Oh, I, I was gonna say uh, I, I really love the Parent Trap. I think it's a lovely film. It's by uh, by Disney Studios, but it's a live action 
It's got um, what's the name in it? You can answer it either way. Let's say no, so, no. Actually, but I think I like your question better. Actually, what's the? Because actually, it's interesting. There was the um, talking of brand coherence that the Ardman Animations people did an advert in the eighties or late or early nineties about heating creature comforts. They had creature yes. comforts, and there was a, there was a turtle who was saying, "Oh, it's turn it on and offable." Yeah. And everyone thinks that that was for British gas and it was actually for heat electric because people associate gas with all the warmth and everything. And that's that's they just think flames and fire and hearths and all of that um, electric stuff that doesn't have that same. It's just an interesting parallel, um, you know, yeah. that actually. Be, be, but you could imagine people thinking that uh, a film was by Disney when it wasn't. Mm, and yeah, mm, mm. Um, yeah. I, I'm not sure. What, so what's the most Disney film that isn't by Disney? Is that is that what you're saying? Oh, I know. I can tell you the answer. Right. But before you do, are you able to, you're going to be able to participate? Yeah. Yeah, I think okay. so. The Railway Children, one of my favourite films of all time. Um, and it's it's got the missing parent who's removed. Surely it's from... got that bit that we all cry at. You know, we know, do we know the bit? Yes, I get teary just thinking about it. I get it. teary just thinking about yeah. it. Yeah, um, and uh, so you've got so you've got the missing parent, you've got the uh, sudden impoverishment, um, you've got the being moved to a different environment. They're all things you get in in Disney films, and then of course you have all the antics and the scrapes and the peril and all of these things. What you don't have is an antagonist. That's the only that's the only thing missing, which would make it a perfect Disney film. But you certainly have all of the other. You've got the comedy sidekick, who's of course Mr. Perks, played by. Um, uh, Bernard Cribbins, and and so you know it's got it's got all the things you want from a Disney mm. film actually, but it's yeah. not by Disney. So I'll take that. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say when I think quintessential Disney, it feels like animated, but then that just narrows us too much. So so yeah, I like that. Um, Chris, yeah, I'm going to go for the Sound of Music. Um, yeah, because I uh, a it's got Julie Andrews in it, so you know that uh, in my mind I've linked that to sort of Mary Poppins. Uh, it's hugely feel good it's a it's a it's a musical you've got the best baddie in the world which is the nazis um <laughs> and uh yeah it's um it it's it, it, it sort of uh, if somebody told me it had been made by disney i'd i'd probably believe them yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um tom so i'm actually going to go for animation that's surprisingly not disney and i think the the easy option for that is any dreamworks film because I think a lot of people confuse DreamWorks and Disney Pixar films all the time. They often release them on the same topics the same year and compete. But when I was a child, we used to have on video Quest for Camelot, which is an animated adventure film um, that until a few years ago, I thought was a Disney film. And I was very confused when I tried to enter it into that Sporkle quiz and it didn't accept it. Turns out it was by Warner Bros. Feature Animation, mm. a little sub-studio of Warner Bros., which for a little while... I like the way you call the it 90s, Warner Bros. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for a little while in the 90s, was really trying to compete with Disney. Very similar animation style, similar plots yeah. and everything. And uh, Quest for Camelot, turned out, was one of those. Awesome. I think that's the best answer. That's mm. probably the closest what I was looking for. When I ask these questions, I never know what I'm going to say, by the way. Mm. Um, and actually given that that sort of question is a hark back to the past, it reminds me now that my answer is also the kind of answer I used to give, which is that I want to answer the opposite. So my my answer to what film is most like Disney but is not Disney is actually a film that is clearly never going to be Disney. Evil Dead. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, Spirited Away. 
Okay. Oh, okay. Right. Well, go for it. Yeah, Counterpoint. Spirited Away was distributed in the United States by Disney. I mean, no. That so there is a connection. Well, Studio Ghibli. They probably just saw a commercial chance there. So, so Studio they actually, Ghibli, they, am I making this up? Uh, they, Sorry? It is Studio Ghibli, right. yeah. But they actually distributed a lot of Studio Ghibli films because they had the recognition for animated oh, brand films. Coherent. So actually, oh, I've answered the question beautifully. Yes. Yeah. Um, a Disney marketing executive couldn't have couldn't have come up with a better one. Yeah. Um, and the only thing about that film is, I mean, I, I do love it. Again, it goes back to that eccentricity thing. And also, it is that thing sometimes where we in the West encounter something in the East um, and just go, what the hell is going on? And what I like about it is who's bad and who's good is an irrelevant question. And it's kind of actually like that Japanese answer, which is mu. Are you familiar with that mm. concept? Yeah. So I think, correct me if I'm wrong, it's... If I ask you a question, you know... Um, I, th I think if you can try and define it, you've missed the point. I think that's... So I wouldn't bother I, that's, if I were you. Yeah, all right, fair <laughs> enough. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrew. We've been here with Tom Spence, Nick Hare and Chris Ragg. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>